Hey guys, thanks for checking out the podcast, but I got a special mess. Special what am I beatboxing? I got a special message. Why can't I say special message for y'all? The Flight Attendant Joe series. Fasten your seatbelts and eat your fucking nuts. Flight Attendant Joe and I'm just here for the layovers. Each ebook on sale right now for $4.99 on Amazon, iTunes, Nook, and Kobo. Listen, I may not be able to speak, but I can write and I'll make you laugh. And that's a cheap ass price. Go over there after the podcast. Purchase those. They'll be on your Kindle, your iPad. Your, you can read them anywhere. I don't care. Just laugh. Hey, guys. Welcome to this week's episode of Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe. I'm very excited about this episode. I know I say that every week, but this week I am excited. Today I have Rasha Pecorero on. She and her sister co-hosts the true crime podcast Root of Evil, which was nominated for a 2020 iHeartRadio podcast award we shared a lot about our childhood which i was surprised about and we talked about the love her late mom fauna hodell instilled into her and her sister yvette which have guided them to be the people they are today we talked about rasha on the biggest loser special edition and the tv show i am the night which was based off her mom's book one day she'll darken ladies and gentlemen i still can't believe she agreed to be on my podcast Welcome, Rasha, to the show. My name is Yvette. And I'm Rasha. And we're proud to bring you the new podcast documentary series, Root of Evil, the true story of the Hodel family and the Black Dahlia. Hi, Rasha. Welcome to the show. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. I love hearing that introduction. (laughs) Let me, let me tell you something. When I hear that, my, because I've listened to the entire podcast, my heart starts racing. It's the music. It's, it's your tone, you and your sister's tone. It's perfect. But I am dying that you are on this podcast. So thank you very much. Oh my God. I love you. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. I'm fangirling over you. (laughs) Stop. No, no. Listen, listen. When, when, when I first started this podcast, my husband was like, you have to have Rasha on. And I was like, I can't ask her. She's been on Dr. Phil. She's been Uh on on the biggest loser. She's on root of evil. I can't like, I can't have her bring down She's on a, this upward spiral. I can't have her come crashing down. Oh, you stop <laughs> it. I, I, as soon as I knew you were launching it, I knew I wanted to be on it <laughs> before you even asked me. <laughs> you are so sweet. And then you offered and I was like, oh, good. I don't have to be turned down because that's <laughs> the scariest thing. It's like, well, you do my podcast. No, I'm just going to cry myself to death. I'm sure no one tells you no, Joe. Um, not yet. Hopefully that never happens. No. <laughs> but I ha- I want to give a special shout out to my sister-in-law, Sarah. Hi, Sarah, because she is the one who introduced me to I Am The Night and Root of Evil. Last April, uh-huh. she came uh, when we were living in the Bay Area. She came out there, picked her up at the airport, get her to the house. She goes, are you watching I Am The Night on TNT? And oh my God. I was like, no, she's like, we're going to start tonight. So we watched it. And then we were get like two days later, we were leaving on a, um, on a camping trip. And I was like, I was like, oh my God, I'm so obsessed with this story. There's gotta be more to it. She goes, funny. You should say that. <laughs> so we ended up the entire camping trip. Every time we were in the car, you were with us. You and Yvette Aww. were with us. We'll tell Sarah. Thank you. And- <laughs> Sarah, oh my God, she! I text her. I'm like, I'm interviewing Rasha. She's like, I'm so excited. I was like, well, don't get crazy. She's my friend. No. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. 
Um, so how are you doing? You doing okay? I'm I'm amazing. I just I feel like I honestly have been going nonstop. Like, because my mom my mom died September 30th, 2017. But she was like her entire life led up to her making I Am the Night. And 11 days before she died, she signed the final deal with Patty Jenkins and Chris Pine and TNT. And literally, my sister and I have gone nonstop ever since. Like, we lost the love of our lives. But then six weeks later, we were on the Warner Brothers studio lot with Chris, Patty, and Patty's husband, Sam Sheridan, who wrote um, I Am the Night. And we literally have gone nonstop. <laughs> like, and I feel like, and then in the midst of that, I became a flight attendant and all this crazy stuff has happened. And Root of Evil has been insane. And there's no, there's no stopping anytime soon. So yes, I'm, I'm amazing, but like, I feel like I can barely have time to breathe. Well, thank you for breathing and talking to me <laughs> for a little bit. Now, um, I know your mom passed away in September of 2017. I'm very yeah. sorry about that. She was like, <laughs> she was you. like your best friend. She was, it was, it's me, my mom and my sister. We have always joked that we're like Charlie's angels, the three of us. And, you know, my mom had my sister a week after she turned 16. And then I was born 11 years later. So my sister and I are 11 years apart, even though she looks like she's 25. Um, <laughs> Cause I, I'm she 41. Good. Right. And she's, she is 50. Yeah. Wait a minute. So you're 41 and she's 52. Yeah. Can you believe it? She'll be 53 in August. You guys have some very good genes. Cause you, you're, you, well, you look like you're 23 and she looks like she's 28. Oh my God. I love you even more now. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. Oh my God, it's crazy. <laughs> so you said, um, your mom passed away and then 11, how many days later were you guys on the, the that, we, set? we were there six weeks later. So she, she died September 30th. We were on set in November and she had been friends with Patty Jenkins for almost a decade at that point. And Patty, you know, really, she knew that this couldn't hurt. My mom's life story couldn't be covered in a movie. It needed more time. And even then, six episodes, six hours of I Am The Night wasn't enough either. But she was determined to make this happen. And so my mom, my mom had read the pilot that Sam wrote and she gave her blessing because I Am The Night is just inspired by mom's life. And Root of Evil right. is the companion podcast to it. And it was actually TNT. And Zach Levitt, our director, writer, and producer's brainchild. And they came to Yvette and I and said, we have this idea for this podcast. What do you guys think? And we're like, mom would have loved every second of this. The only difference is it would have been me, mom, and Yvette. You know, like nothing would have changed. And it's just, I think my mom is proud. <laughs> oh, oh, she's so proud. You took the torch. Like yeah. she probably... Um, passed away knowing that you guys were going to carry her legacy onto this greatness. Mm -hmm. She did. She did. I mean, it's like, it's so funny. Um, cause mom, you know, she struggled her whole life. She was a single mom. I mean, my sister and I have different fathers, obviously, since she's this gorgeous, beautiful biracial woman and I'm blonde Hawaiian, but, um, but my mom, you know, she always prepared us for this. Like we just thought she'd be here with us. You know, she was taken too soon at the age of 66, but, from the time we were little, she was always like, I'm going to, you know, make my life story into a movie or a TV show or something. And I want all of us to be a part of it. Like she, she just wanted us 
to continue her legacy of love. So, and she had everything set up before she died. I mean, you know, we were helping her pay her rent before she died. And then, you know, my sister and I got to, you know, have the fruits of her labor, you know, which she worked her entire life doing. And it's, it's a beautiful gift that she gave us. And the least we can do is continue her legacy of kindness and love. You know, she was the most amazing human ever to walk this earth, in my humble opinion. <laughs> Well, she was pretty amazing. I've never read her book, One Day She'll Darken. Oh, and you just um, said that too. That just reminded me. <laughs> I haven't read it. It's on my list to yeah, read. Yeah, it's coming um, in the mail tomorrow. <laughs> I promise. Oh, you just ordered it? Yeah, I, I sent it. I, I, I realized like right when I was about to do the podcast, I'm like, oh my God, I never said no, One Day She'll Darken. So it's on the way to you, I promise. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, well, I do. I do want to read it because her story is so fascinating. And I... I'm actually jealous of the relationship that you and your sister have with your mom because mm -hmm. I see you, you, the the photos. It's very rare that a relationship like that is so there's so much love. Like when I'm on yeah. your Instagram page and I see photos that you share with your mom and your sister, I feel that love. No, and, I love that. <laughs> yeah, it, it does. It it makes me. It actually makes me feel good. No, that's that's the purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying like, it's good that your mom's not with us anymore. I of would course. still feel that love if she was here, if I saw the three of you. And I'm so jealous because, you know, my relationship with my mom was horrific. Now, right. your mom's childhood and upbringing, very chaotic, right? Absolutely. Like, given away as a child, grew up in Sparks, Nevada, yep. thought she was biracial, not. Right. right. Which <laughs> is the title of the book, One Day She'll Darken. Exactly. How much, how, now, one reason I've never wanted to have kids was because I was afraid, like, what if I'm a bad parent, like my upbringing? But right. your mom flipped that. Your mom flipped that. She said, I'm going to be a great parent. Do you think Absolutely. her childhood helped her to be a good parent for you guys? You know, it's so funny that you asked that, Joe, because my sister and I, we talk about this all the time, especially with, you know, the history of where my mom comes from. Like for people who haven't listened to Root of Evil or read One Day She'll Darken or seen I Am the Night, like my mom, as you said, was, you know, given away for adoption under crazy circumstances, was raised by a black mother and a black father thinking she was half black and biracial. And come to find out, she found her birth mother in, you know, Honolulu, Hawaii in um, the 70s which in I Am The Night, it says it's the, the 60s, but it's actually the 70s. And she found out that her birth mother lied on the birth certificate. She might possibly be the product of incest and that her grandfather slash maybe father was accused of killing Elizabeth Short, who was also known as the Black Dahlia, and among other people, other women. And my mom's mind was like, oh my God. You know, like, and, you know, the even though she loved her adoptive mother, Jimmy Lee, who raised her, it was very tumultuous. She had, you know, was abused um, emotionally, physically, verbally, um, and even even sexually, um, not by her. Um, it was from a, a random cousin that lived down the street. But my mom, sorry, I don't want to get emotional about it, but she made the choice to live a life of love, you know? And she was a young parent having my sister so young. 
And she raised her and raised me with nothing but love. Like she never <laughs> raised her voice at me or Yvette. She never, she, she was the most supportive woman ever. Like, just to give you an example, like my sister and I used to joke because my sister was very strict, you know, which she was more like the parent. <laughs> and okay. like, I, I never, like, I was so afraid of my sister and she never yelled at me or hit me anything like that. But I knew like I could never step out of line because my, I idolized my sister and she was like, you're never going to do drugs. You're never going to drink. You're never going to do this. And I, I never did. Um, and we used to have this joke that uh, how supportive mom was like, so if I were to come home one day and be like, mom, I thought about it. You know, I, I, I really, I really want to be a prostitute. You know, I, I want to be a sex worker. <laughs> I want to like, I'm, like, I'm going to have condoms. I'm going to do all this. My mom would be like, well, honey, you know, like, you know, I, I'm worried for you, but let's go, you know, Planned Parenthood, get all your testing and let's go. I got you. And my sister would be like, oh, hell no, you're never leaving this house. You know, <laughs> like. Like that's right. just how that's how my my mom was. Like she supported us no matter what. She was the best parent ever. She went the opposite direction of Tamar. Oh, and that's that's the, the what my sister and I debate all the time. Like you said, like when we're on Doctor Phil, Doctor Oz, Today Show, all these things. Like I believe Tamar made the choice because she was, you know, abused by her father sexually. But Tamar made the choice to choose the dark instead of the light. And my mom chose the light, period. Like, she never repeated it. And so my sister thinks, and she's super open about it. She's like, tomorrow was a victim. She had no choice. And for me, I'm like, no, you always have a choice. And There is a we, choice. You do have a I choice. I believe absolutely. that. I truly believe that. And I see where my sister's coming from. You know, and it's weird, too, because, like, I was raised in Honolulu. My my mom got pregnant um, on a trip where she was visiting Tamar. Um, and my mom decided to raise me in Hawaii with my sister because she wanted us to grow up in a place where race wasn't an issue. And it never was. Like, I, we never experienced any type of racism. And we grew up in this multicultural pot, you know, of every nationality you could think of. But Tamar is the only grandmother I was ever around. And she and I did not care for one another. <laughs> and I, I love was going to ask you that. I was going to ask yeah, you Yeah. Yeah. And we, and I would always call her out and be like, why did, you know, like, why did you do this? Why did you do that? Like, and I, I'd ask her point blank, like, is George my mom's father? And she would never give me a straight answer. And I like, and to this day, we still do not know who my mother's biological father is. I think it's George. We're going to definitely talk about oh, that. Oh, yeah. Well, I've got, a, I've got but, a story to share with you for sure. Oh, <laughs> my sister-in-law, Sarah, right now, is head's exploding. I, I agree with you that, um, well, with your sister, that you can choose, people have the the ability to choose, right? You Absolutely. can go down the right path. You can go to, but I don't think people sometimes are strong enough to make the right decisions. That is true. And that's, I think that's where Yvette is coming from too, you know? Um, and I, I see where she's coming from with that. Yeah, absolutely. So Root of Evil was nominated for an iHeart Radio Podcast Award for Best yes. Podcast. Yes. That's we, amazing. Congratulations. Aw, thank you. That we, is very cool. 
Yeah, we were honored to be nominated. We were mildly devastated that we lost. <laughs> um, you were robbed. You were oh, robbed. Oh, thank you. You were I, robbed. Yeah, we, you know, it was it was a surreal and awesome experience. I mean, it was just a few weeks ago in L.A. that we got to go. And, um, you know, my sister and I have done so many red carpets with I Am The Night and with Root of Evil that it it just we felt everything like we were seated you know right next to Conan O'Brien we were on the aisle we're like oh my god we're winning this we're winning this <laughs> and, right they um, set you up for you to believe like okay I'm winning I'm winning I'm sitting I know Conan I know and then we're like oh I mean I've heard um you know Man in the Windows who won and I've heard it's amazing but I honestly like until we became you know podcast hosts like I had never listened to podcasts and my, my sensitive heart, I can barely breathe when I listen to true crime podcasts. Like we were just guests on the first degree last week and the week before. And I, you know, I, I just kind of started diving into true crime to listen. And I have a really hard time because I think, because I know monsters exist. I mean, I'm related to one, you know, to George Hodel and it's, it's so hard for me to listen anything because I'm so empathic in the sense that I put myself in their their position that I'm like I feel like it's happening to me when I'm listening to it so I I did not listen to um the other podcasts that were nominated in our category because I we tried I tried you know like my sister and I were trying to listen we're like oh no we got to turn it off oh they're talking about this they're talking about no nope, can't do it like but uh yeah we were blown away to be nominated and to hear how many like millions and millions of downloads that Root of Evil has had is mind-blowing. Well, it's you become obsessed with it because everyone knows about the Black Dahlia story. They even, I right. think it was um, the first season of American Horror Story where yes. they have her as one of the characters and she comes yeah. into the Harmon's house back in the day. And um, so everyone knows of that story. And, but I had no idea that George Hodel, I didn't know who that was. I always thought, right. oh, it's, um, it's a crime that wasn't, solved and then oh, you, re- yeah. you find out this history of george hodell and that's your great grandfather i know he's <laughs> so gross <laughs> and it's like <laughs> when when we you know we didn't decide on the the title root of evil right but it, that was actually cnc's brainchild and at first yvette and i couldn't wrap our heads around it we're like what like i mean the full title of course is root of evil the true you know story of the hodell family and the black dahlia but we were so against it because we're like, we're not evil. That's not us. But that is truly what it, it took on a life of its own because it's true. Even though we come from the root of evil, that does not define who we are. You know, like our, oh, our mom. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, even the, the artwork that they, that Cadence 13, the production company that did it, they, you know, did this you know, crazy, like scary looking tree. And then there's that beautiful purple flower. Like that's supposed to represent us, you know, and we're like blossoming and becoming, you know, these kind human beings where hotels in the past have not been. And I think that with mom, like she stopped the cycle of abuse. Like even I'm, I'm very open about it. I, um, you know, I, my parents weren't married. My my father and, and my mom um, were only together for like five years. And I always went back and forth growing up in Hawaii. So I was always half time with them, half time with mom and dad. And when I was with my dad, he was physically, emotionally, and verbally abusive into my 20s. And I... I'm sorry. I know. But it's, it, you know, it, it, 
it makes us who we are. And I, I never spoke up and I never told my mom and my sister. And I realized that I suppressed all, of, I didn't suppress the abuse, but I, I, I put, pushed it down because in my mind, knowing all the history of the hotels, knowing all the sexual abuse and incest that happened, I was like, well, it's not sexual abuse, so it's not that bad. So I have nothing to complain uh. about. And I realized that doing Root of Evil, I'm like, oh, that's why I didn't tell my mom and my sister. Same reason probably why I didn't tell them I was gay until I was 30. You know, like, I think, right. you know, we all kind of process things in different ways. Like, you know, like, it's just so weird. Like, you, it's so funny how you say, you know, like, you were jealous of, you know, the relationship with me and my mom and my sister. It's like, and then I... I wanted that all the time. I wanted to be with them because I was safe and protected and I could be myself because I hated my father because he was so horrific. But I made the choice not to repeat that with my own daughter. You know, like I raised my voice and I'm like in tears. I feel bad. (laughs) I would never want to put her through what I went through. And it started when I was seven and went until I think the last time he beat me up, I was 21. Like it's just, yeah, it's crazy. Oh yeah, yeah. He the oh, worst. This was your my dad. Father. Your dad was yeah. physically abusive. Physically, verbally, Ouch. emotionally abusive, but not sexually. So, like, I in my mind, like, I was like, oh, you know, like, it's it's not that bad. He's just a jerk, or he's. It was not only when he didn't have drugs was when I would get beaten up. Um, yeah, it's crazy. That and that is another reason why Yvette and I are actually writing our own book because we have so like we have all of us everyone you me my sister everyone has a story to tell and i think we all can learn from one another and it's about how we rise above all of that yeah that's why i wanted to do this podcast because i'm one of those people that learn from other people's stories you could just tell me something i'm like oh i'm gonna incorporate that into my life you know i um i have a same kind of upbringing as you did in that sense from your father's side i was i was sexually molested from about four until 14 from my adopted dad. And, but he oh was my God, I'm physically so sorry. violent. No, but you know what? I've struggled like in my twenties and thirties, I, um, I was so upset about it. And now that I'm getting older, I actually quite, I'm not saying that I'm glad it happened. Who would of say course. that? But what I'm of saying course. is because of what happened, I am who I am today. Exactly. I love who I am today. I think I'm very smart and strong. I'm very strong. And I always think like, if I would have had a normal upbringing, like loving, loving parents who weren't alcoholics or molesters or whatnot, would I be, I wouldn't be who I am today. I would be a different version. So I always struggle with that. I'm like, oh, you know, it sucks that that happened, but it has made me who I am. And I think that's a way for us to cope with what happened to us. Right. And you are helping people by being vocal and open about it. Like it, it, it's so funny. We, we had the honor of course, of being on Dr. Phil's TV show, but we also recorded a podcast with him on fill in the blank. And he, um, it hasn't aired yet, but that was probably the best part of the whole media blitz for root of evil for me. Cause he, we were literally, my sister and I were in tears talking to Dr. Phil because it was like having our own therapy session with him. And he was telling us, he's like, you know, he's like, monsters live in the dark. And by you and your sister, you know, sharing what happened to you and your mom and your family, you're, those, you're, you're literally killing those monsters. You know, people, 
you know, who feel like, oh my God, like there's no one else in the world that has been molested or abused or gone through what I've gone through. And so they're afraid to talk about it. And it's like, you are this beautiful, amazing human being of a man. And you're out there being like, yeah, I, you know, this happened to me from, you know, four to 14 and I'm still standing and I'm here. Like that I think is so inspiring. And a lot of, especially men are, they, they're shamed into not talking about it. Yeah. I've never understood that because I came out. So I came out of the closet when I was 16 and what happened was my mom and I had escaped my father. We were living in Florida with my grandparents. And one day I went, I was a junior in high school. I went to bed and um, the phone rang. I didn't think anything of it. And then my mom comes in my room and says, the East Hart, I was, I was um, raised in Hartford, Connecticut, East Hartford, Connecticut. And mm-hmm. she said, the East Hartford Police Department's on the phone for you. And I was what? like, what? I'm, a, I'm not that bad. I may right. swear a lot, but skip school, but hello. So I yeah. go pick up the phone and they were like, hi, we have questions. Did your, did your father ever touch you inappropriately? Because there's a report, because he had, ju- he had gotten remarried to a woman with three kids. Oh, oh no. Nightmare, right? So there oh, was a report on him. And my mom, of course, I'm a 16 year old. My mom's on the other phone. Like who, why is the police department calling my 16 year old son at 11 o'clock at night? Oh my gosh. And I just say, yes. It was like, wow. it just came out. They, and so you yes, had never then, told your mom my, prior to that? Well, my mom, oh, my mom knew, I, you know, mm. my mom knew something was wrong, but my mom made, my mom was one of those people that could have made good choices, but she didn't have the strength right. to. Right. And, right. Um, so it was one of those things. Like when I was five years old, she, um, I told her he touched, I came home from school. I was in kindergarten and he was in my bed naked. Oh my God. And he How proceeded horrific. to molest me. Right. Aww. So I, I know, and I talk about it like it's someone else. It's so interesting right. how our brains do that. So yeah, I told true. my grandmother, yeah, it's like, we can, we can, compartmentalized. I put that yes. in the closet. I closed it. I came out of the closet and I put that in the closet. Oh, yeah. And, um, and then, you know, we, I told my grandmother, my grandmother told my mom and my mom went, I'm going to go talk to him. And then she came back down. She goes, he was just teaching you the birds and the bees. Oh my God. Cause that's how, what he manipulated her to think. Yeah. Yes. So at that wow. point, when you're five years old and your, your mom who, you know, your parents who are supposed to protect you, protect are, you. Are actually yeah. the abusers, right? You say, Oh, I right. guess this is the way it is. So when I finally sat down and she started crying when I was 16 and, and it, I changed inside yeah. seeing her um, cry. And I just looked at her and I said, please never shed a tear. Cause I think you knew about this the entire time. Good for you. And it, it altered our relationship. Um, my mom died in 2003. She had liver cancer and right. I took care of her. I mean, you know, I took care of her. I made sure she was taken care of. And, and when she passed away, I was 30 and it was like, I was born again. It was like a burden was lifted. It was. And I, yeah. I you know, I've said that to people and people are like, that's horrible. Your parent no, is your I, parent I no matter that. what. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> No. no, ma'am. No, sir. No. You know, and it's the same with your dad. Like he's your biological. Do you consider him? Is he still alive? Yeah, your he's dad? alive. I he haven't, is- ta- I haven't spoken to him since 2009 when I told him I was okay. a lesbian. So it's Oh my been- God. Did, did he kick you out or something or did he say, no, so, this is thing. so I was, thir- well, so I was 30 when I finally was able to say the words out loud that I was gay. And 
I'll give you a little backstory on it. Um, and you mentioned it a little bit earlier. So I was on The Biggest Loser in 2006, right? And I actually married my ex-husband on TV. We were on the first couple's edition of The Biggest Loser. Bob Harper was our, our trainer, who I love more than life. And um, we got married on TV. And I, I because, you know, I'm a, I'm a femme lesbian, you know? Like, in, the only thing stereotypically lesbian about me other than the fact that I love women, is um, that I played softball. <laughs> yeah, we, I know, right? Well, wait a minute. We know, we know that. <laughs> yes, yes. I know what you right? like, but go ahead. Right. That's funny to me. <laughs> exactly. But like the only thing stereotypically like lesbian about me is I have been a competitive softball player since I was seven. And I still play. Like, I, like I'm a badass. That's the only thing I'm talking about. I'm a badass first baseman softball player. And I've always surrounded myself you know, with gay friends, you know, girls and guys. But I think growing up, knowing how homophobic my father was, I just stuffed it down. Like I had crushes on girls, more tomboy style girls. But, um, and like, even like my high school sweetheart, like he was more feminine than me. He was so pretty. Like, I, I feel like I just, I was like, nope, I can't, I can't be gay because my dad will kill me. Like he, my dad is that much of a homophobe. Like he used to say horrible things about gay people oh. all the time. And I knew that was wrong, you know, because my, we have um, my uncles, John and Michael, who's been together for, gosh, how many years now? Like 30, something like 37 or 38 years. Um, I call them uncles, but they were like best friends of my mom from the time I was little. And they're here in Portland and like they helped to raise me and my sister. I love them more than life. Like my dad would always say horrible things about them and I idolized them. I never had any openly gay women in my life, but I had a lot of men, um, openly gay men that I looked up to. But I still, I didn't feel safe to come out. And I never acted on it. I think I messed around with a a couple of girls when I was young as we were experimenting. But then I went to the extreme of getting married to this man who was a great guy, um, but I was just trying to fit into a box, you know? And I, at I finally realized I married him on TV on The Biggest Loser in 2006. And then I started really questioning my sexuality in 2009. And um, rather than actually cheat or do anything, I came home one day and I told my, you know, then husband, I'm like, "Uh, dude, I have a crush on someone and I haven't acted on it and it's freaking me out. And the first question he asked me, he's like, is it a guy or a girl? And so, oh, so he kind of oh, yeah. had that feeling or did you yeah. ever share that with him before? Well, it's not that I shared it with him. I would never admit that I was straight or heterosexual. Like I would just be like, I'm just married to a guy, you know, especially because so many of my friends were lesbians and gay men. And I just, I never wanted that, that label. So I would never say that I was bi. I would never say I was straight or gay or whatever. Um, and that day he was just like, all right, let's, we're going to separate. And we separated like, and he's like, can you please go to therapy and at least figure it out? I'm like, sure. You know? So I went to, so that day, unbeknownst to me, this is in May, 2009. He, he was close to my dad because my dad and I, even though he had been abusive to me into my twenties, my, his father, my grandfather, when he passed away, he left my dad a lot of money. So then my dad became this happy-go-lucky guy because now he could have any drug he wanted. <laughs> you know, like he could, you know, pay for recording studio time because he was a singer. And my dad, like he, his, he flipped a switch and he just became this nice guy. And granted, I was living in Portland and he was in Honolulu. So like he, 
you know, he wasn't abusive per se, controlling, yes. Um, but he, I had never like forgiven him, but we were cool, you know, like, and he gave me away on my wedding, you know, on TV and he was really close to my then husband. But so that day in May, my, um, my husband at the time told my dad, so he outed me to my dad, but I didn't end up coming out to my dad till three months later. And I didn't know that my dad knew. So my dad was like stewing for three months while I went to therapy and trying to figure out if I was, yeah, I didn't know if I was gay or bi because I'd been active and sleeping with men since I was, you know, 15, even though I had all these thoughts of, you know, women in my head, I just kept stuffing it down. And then in therapy, my therapist was like, the way you feel about intimacy with men, which literally made me want to vomit, <laughs> uh, even though <laughs> no, none of the guys knew, but after, you know, I was a great little actress, so they thought it was great. And I was just like, oh my God, what did I just do? Like every time I felt disgusted. Um, my therapist is like, you're either suppressing sexual abuse or you're a lesbian based on how you feel with intimacy with men. It's just like, you're not going to know until you sleep with a woman. So thank God when I finally did sleep with a woman, I was like, Oh my God, nothing's wrong with me. I'm totally a lesbian. I love women. <laughs> I'm like, I am gay. This is amazing. What's fascinating to me is I never got to have that moment of, oh my God, yeah. this is what it's like having sex with a guy because I've never had sex with a girl. I, I had a threesome with oh. a guy and a girl once, but the girl wouldn't let me touch her. <laughs> oh, she was like, like my, oh. yeah. you have nothing to compare to. She was my best to. friend from high school. Well, she was my best friend from high school. Oh. And, um, and, and here's the funny twist to that. We had like a threesome thing for like six months. This was back in like the early nineties. And now they've been married for like 25 years. Stop it. Are you still friends? Um, we're friends on social media, uh, but sure. we went to high school together. I haven't talked to her for, I haven't seen her in a long time, but, um, I never had that feeling of, oh, this is what's missing. Cause right. I can imagine that's so, you know, you feel lost. Yeah. No, it was, it was liberating for me. And, you know, I came home immediately because even though we were separated, um, we were still living in the same house and just cause we were trying to, you know, figure out the logistics and I promised him I would figure it out. And I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm totally gay. And he had already started dating a woman who would later become his, you know, next wife. And he was still like, he was devastated because he thought that I was the love of his life. And I always knew deep down that he wasn't the love of mine. I just knew that he loved me unconditionally and he was a good guy and he was safe. And so I called, you know, I told my mom and my sister, even though they knew I was questioning already my mom and my sister, cause I could tell them anything. And then, you know, I came out to my mom and any vet. And of course they were like, um, so loving and accepting, except my mom at first, she was like, you have to put a label on it. Why can't you just say you love people? Cause she even hated like, even for race questions, like I would never put down Caucasian. My sister would never put down, you know, black because my, my mom always said that we were universal beings or human beings. She never wanted us to define ourselves by the color of our skin. And so I she, actually like that. I like, yeah. That. And like, she hates, 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 she hated, I should say hated, yeah, since she passed away. She hated labels. But I told her, I was like, no, mom. I'm like, I have been searching for 30 years, for those 30, you know, to figure out what I am. And I am a proud lesbian. And I know that now. And she's like, okay, I get it, you know. And um, um, so, I, and I told, you know, my ex-husband. And then I called my dad to tell my dad. And I was 
so scared because I knew how homophobic he was, which is weird because he's super, super liberal, total Democrat, except I think because he was raised Catholic, the stigma mm-hmm. of homosexuality stuck with him. So that's why he was such a homophobe, you know? And I used to joke that he would like um, disown me if I were ever to come out as a Republican, which I'm totally not. But if I were, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, oh my God. And I'm like, that's when how why he would disown me, not because I was gay, but sure enough, when I told him, it's like that old, you know, that horrific human came out and he's like, you're so fucked up, you're going to hell, which he didn't, we weren't, I wasn't raised as any religion because he went the polar right. opposite and it was a total hippie, but he's like, oh my God, how can you do that to me? You're such a fucking cunt. I mean, like, sorry. Oh I my God. Have, yeah, it was No, horrible. no. Oh, I don't edit anything. No, no I know. No, I know. You have the, the explicit next to your, your podcast, but I'm like, oh. I love how he said, how could you do this to me? Because oh, I yeah. remember when I came out, when I was 16, I told my best friend and he said, how can you do this to us? And I was like, this wow. has nothing to do with you. Exactly. Um, so is that why you haven't spoken to your dad since 2009 yeah. because you so, came out? Yeah. And it, but it got even worse. So he, he literally, and again, remember my ex had told him three months before, and I don't blame my ex. My ex was just trying to get somebody on his side, you know, cause he was, his whole life was falling apart. We'd only been married two and a half years, but we'd been together for almost seven. And, um, I, I just, I, I don't hold on to any of that stuff. Like I don't, I don't, blame him or anything but my dad had just been like doing and he's just like i'm flying right i'm you know booking a flight i'm gonna beat the gay out of you this is not happening oh my like, god oh it was bad and, and, and then he, this is 2009 so that's 2009 11, so you're th- you're 30 yeah i was 30 years old you're 30 years old and your dad is saying i'm gonna fly to portland and beat the gay out of oh you. yeah and then and my stepmom got on the line and my stepmom and, and my dad have been together since i was five and she is um japanese American and she was like you know she was whenever the abuse happened for my dad she was never around like she was like for whatever reason she's always been madly in love with him and never believed me when I finally you know was able to admit it until I was 21 because he beat me up so bad I almost died and she couldn't ignore that (laughs) because she saw the Mm -hmm. black eyes the next day but she was like I don't believe it Rasha you know you're too you're too pretty. You don't look like a lesbian. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> I'm like, what? Um, but <laughs> culturally, in the Japanese culture, at least in Hawaii, um, a feminine woman cannot be openly gay. It's just, right. it's, it's not a thing. So she was like, nope, nope, no. And again, liberal Democrat, right? Um, she was even working for the governor of Hawaii at the time. Like, it's so crazy because she's done so many amazing things in the you know, in the state of Hawaii for other people, but it's different, I guess, when it's your stepdaughter. But, um, but yeah, my dad actually flew from Honolulu to Portland, stayed with my ex-husband, because at that point I was already dating my now wife. I mean, she wasn't my wife at the mm-hmm. time. She was my girlfriend. Um, I was staying with her and he started like, my dad was drunk calling me, texting me. And I, that's the only time I've ever had the courage to stand up to him. Granted, it was on my text messaging, but I told him, I said, you have, abused me my entire life. I, there's no way that I'm going to meet you. And I actually did when I, one of the times I talked to him on the phone a couple you know, days later while he was here. And I said, I'll come meet you, but I'm bringing my girlfriend with me. And my mom, I think had told him that Vanna, my beautiful wife is a retired mm-hmm. police officer. 
And my dad, being the druggie that he is, is hates police officers and was like, like, you can't bring that fucking carpet muncher of a police officer with you. Like, I mean, it was so bad. So I, yeah, I told him in text message, I'm like, I'm not going to let you do this to me anymore. And so I have not spoken to him since then, with the exception of the day my mom died on September 30th, 2017. Um, he wrote a card and wrote a check for $1,000 and he mailed it to my sister, who my sister is not his, you know, his daughter. He his, was only his daughter, right? Yeah, he was only in, you know, her life for the, you know, five years that he was with my mom. I mean, he's always in kind to my sister I guess but my sister you know called me a few days after mom died and she's like uh sit down because you're I have to tell you you know your your father sent this card and it was a beautiful card because he loved my mom like and he said horrible things about her to me my entire life because he was you know devastated that they didn't stay together and um he sent a thousand dollars and said you know put this towards you know helping her celebration of life and I don't remember the exact words because I was in shock. And I told my sister, I'm like, well, cash the check, first of all. <laughs> Hell yeah. Because um, I mean, check. with right. all the shit he did to me my whole life, we deserve that. And second of all, you know, just, just say thank you and sign it from both of us. And she's like, okay. And that's it. So that was, I have not talked to him or heard from him since. He's never met your daughter? Never met my daughter. Never met my wife. Yeah, and I know he knows about him too because I'm easy to find. And you know, I have an older stepbrother and stepsister from my stepmom, and I've maintained a relationship with them and with my oldest niece, my stepbrother's daughter, and she's in her 20s. And so, you know, she tells me she's like, "Yeah, Papa, you know, Papa Hal asks about you a lot, but then he always goes into rages." And so, you know, it's like not towards her, just about me. Like he's just he's a narcissist and a horrible human. I mean, anybody who lays a finger on their child is not right in the head. So. Well, yeah, there's a problem there. Now, do you think yeah. it had, did he just hate gays in general or was it more like, I'm not going to give birth. Cause a lot of people have a problem when they actually, I don't mind gays, but I'm not going to give birth to one. Oh yeah. Like just, just for an example. So I was a semi-pro softball player. I played on um, the angry beavers in the gay and lesbian softball <laughs> league. I know, right? In LA, before I realized I was a lesbian. <laughs> I mean, we should have done that, you were right? On a les you were yes. on a lesbian softball team called the Angry Beavers before you were out. Yes. I mean, you don't need you don't need anything else telling you you're, I like know. Lesbian. you're a lesbian. I know. And, um, <laughs> and I, he even came out, because we were in the Gay World Series, like he came out and supported us, you know, and he, he loved my gay friends. And it just, it was different, like you said, when he gave birth to a gay child, you know, so it's different when it's his daughter. I find it's interesting how horrible human beings like your dad and my, I don't, I'm sorry if that's insulting, but oh God, from what you told me, your dad is a horrible <laughs> human being like he my is. dad. When I was, when I was 17, um, I was drinking with some friends and I probably had a little bit too much 17, you know, we've all been of there. Course. And yeah. I said, I'm going to call cause I'm going to call my father. Cause he had moved back to Canada. And, oh. um, so I called him up one night and I said, I'm gay. Look what you did to me. Now, of course I oh, don't believe shit. that I was, no, I was yeah. born gay. Yeah, absolutely. But I was like, look, 
I'm gay and you molested me. And he said, I'll, I won't have a faggot for a son. Don't ever call me again. Wow. I, I hung up the phone and I thought this dude sexually, ra he raped me for a decade. Right. And now he's telling me never to call him. Sure. I was calling in to be a bitch about it and say, I'm right. gay. Ha, ha, ha. Right. But, you know, that's why I actually get mad when people are like, oh, gay people molest children. No, 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 no. It's no, a no, 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 different no, no, no. world. Pedophiles molest children. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, that is the case. Like my my father, his name was Melvin. Um, he died in October of 2016. I was on an airplane. We were getting ready to board in LA. Oh, wow. And um, right before we started boarding, I got a face. I always told my one cousin who kept in touch with that family when Melvin dies, let me know. Cause you want to know, right? Yeah. Absolutely. I want to know. I want to know when he's dead. So yeah. like five minutes before we start boarding, I get this me Facebook message. Cause you know, you're not supposed to have your phone on. So I had it on right before we were boarding and, um, I get this message and it's like from my cousin, John, he's like, Melvin died. So I shut off my phone. I put it away. Well, at first I'm like, I walk up to the flight deck and I stay to the lead flight attendant. I said, I just found out my dad died. They're like, oh my God. I'm like, no, 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 it's okay. Um, oh, I wow. think I'm fine, right? So we, I go to the back because I was in the back and we start boarding and all of a sudden I start crying. Oh, you lost it. Oh. I, I start, yeah, I start crying. And um, so the lead flight attendant calls a supervisor and the supervisor comes on. They replace me. We go down to the office and I'm sitting in her office and I'm crying. I'm hysterically mm. crying. And she's mm. like, I'm so sorry. And when I can finally speak, I said, these are tears of joy. Yeah. Because he's never going to hurt another person again. And that cloud has finally dissipated. You got me crying over here, Joe. <laughs> like, well, don't like, cry, but it is good no, for downloads. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're such an asshole. I love you. <laughs> I, I am an asshole. I but love it. I, I, no, but I, can, I imagine that's how I would feel. I'm so sorry. I'm just, I, I imagine that's how I would feel, you know? And you and you will. You will. Yeah. When, when you find out that... When you find out that your dad has passed away, you'll yeah. be sad. You know, you'll probably mourn a little. You'll, you're probably going to mourn the idea of, oh, I wish I would have had. I wish he wouldn't have beaten me up until I was 21. Right, right. Right. I wish I'd have yeah. had a normal relationship with this man. But, oh, he's finally gone and so are all the bruises. Because I think we still yeah. hold on to that. Oh, of course. I mean, I constantly, I mean, we, we walk around with our baggage all the time. But I... I remember the therapy that I did when I was going through my divorce, like she really helped me because she was like, you have to mourn him now, even though he's alive because you're mourning that relationship because you've severed all contact, you know, it's to me. And then when my mom died, who was the most angelic human ever, I mean, she wasn't perfect, but she was as close to it as you could come. And knowing that, he died and my father didn't. Not that I wish for him to die because I'm not that evil of a person, but I, I wanted her here and not him. I feel I feel orphaned, even though my father is still living in, in Honolulu, you know, which is weird when I have layovers there. <laughs> yeah, and then you don't even see him. But I yeah. think it's okay for you to have a moment to think, why did my mom go first? Right. this man is... is is not a good person. And here my mom was trying to, it's almost like Fauna was trying to make up for the, the root of evil blood from her grandfather. Absolutely. That is exactly what 
what mom did. Now that the show's over, the podcast is over. Did you find that this brought your family together or once the show was over, you kind of went like, all right, well, we talked about this and now let's yeah. bring it back to our lives. You know, it, um, sadly, I think it's done the opposite. Um, mm. not for me, any bet. If anything, it's brought me and Yvette even closer together, even though my sister is my, I joke that she's one of my soulmates, you know, and, um, are, I, I would never want to speak for my uncles or for my aunt, but I, I know that it's, it's been really hard after I'm the night came out and after root of evil came out because Yvette and I are the ones in the spotlight. And I think that's hard for some members of our family. And, you know, they think that we're doing it for different reasons and all we're doing is perpetuating our mom's legacy, you know, and I, anything that's ever said negatively, um, you know, I, I have, to try to always lead with love, even though sometimes I want to punch some people in the face. <laughs> oh yeah. I but, want to stab people daily. Yes. And like, I just, but my mom wouldn't ever let that happen, you know? So, um, we're working on it. We're working on it. Um, but that's the thing. Like when you talk about these skeletons and these horrific things that happen, everybody goes through what they go through on their own, but we all have to share our own truth. And I can't, take away from anyone else's truth and no one can take away mine you know like and I, I think right. be, because I'm so open and you know I mean I don't hold back anything like I like I'm an open book so anyone if you ask me a question I'm going to answer it truthfully and sometimes you know members of the, the family don't like that I do that because it reveals too much Right. They want to keep, you know, a lot of family members want to keep some stuff hidden. Right. Yeah. And there, there are parts of the show that was, they were edited out, like, because they said, they oh, things to be edited oh out? yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, and, and honestly, I think a lot of the stuff that was edited out, I'm, I'm okay with, cause it was so graphic. Um, then mm. they're just like, oh, you know, like that's too much. And I'm like, really? Like in my mind, I'm like, oh, but it's okay for us to reveal to the world that George and Tamar had a sexual relationship. Like it just, it bottles my mind, but it's like, you know, people have their own stuff. And you know, when you, you and your sister are like a team. Yeah. So I'm sure that when you walk into this, it's Yvette and Rasha, right. And it's, <laughs> yes. it's you guys not against everyone else, but you guys are all, you always know no matter what happens in this during this journey, we're going to walk out hand in hand together. Absolutely. And I, I feel so fortunate for that. And it's so funny too, because it's like the drama that's happening. Like a lot of our family members are mad at me, even though my sister and I did Dr. Phil together, Dr. Oz, the Today Show, Mission Declassified, First Degree, like all this stuff. But everyone's afraid of Yvette. <laughs> <because she's, laughs> Why is my, that? Why are they afraid of her? My sister's a badass. Like she, you know, and it's like she's the oldest. I mean, she's only older than my Uncle Peace by three days. But everyone's always really respected my sister. And then I'm the baby. You know what I mean? Like I have one cousin that's younger than me, but um, but she wasn't raised with us, but she's much younger. And like, I think they all still see me as a little kid. 
and I'm an adult now who has a very big opinion and I'm very strong. And I, I think some of my members of our family are don't like that, you know, and that's okay. <laughs> like, I'm not going to stop being me, but like you said, I am so thankful to have my sister. funny before my mom died like she was in denial that she was dying because she was so positive but I did like you know we had her in hospice at at home you know we moved her from Honolulu um to us um to go through cancer and so she lived a block from me and my wife and my Yvette was coming in and out every few weeks but she was there obviously the last you know two weeks before my mom passed and um I asked my mom I'm like I know you're not going anywhere because she would never admit that she was dying um but I'm like I'm like, right. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. I'm like, orders. what, I'm like, what do you want for, for me? You know? And my mom said to me, she's like, I want you to be more positive than I ever was. And I literally was like busting up snort laughing. Cause I'm like, mom, I'm like, your positivity on crap. How, how <laughs> can I be more positive than you? But it, it reminds me that, you know, my mom, like she, of course she didn't like some people or she didn't like the way she was treated by certain people, but she still always led with aloha and with love. And it's like, I have to do that. I, I have to always try to take the higher road. I, I she have gave to. you homework. She, she gave did. You homework for the oh rest my of God. Life, right? For the rest of my life. She put this on you like, I'm going to challenge you. I'm not going to be here, but I'm going to challenge you to go forward with love more than I did. And here she is, the person that you think is love on crack. Yes, absolutely. Which I think is, and earlier in the conversation, you referenced her in present tense. And I think that's great because I think she walks with you all the time. Oh God. I I keep joking that I want her to walk with me and literally be like, like a ghost next to me and I haven't seen her yet. And that's driving me nuts, (laughs) but I do feel her. I don't believe in um, ghosts and stuff, but I did have a dream when my grandmother died where she came to me and sat at the edge of my bed and told me everything was going to be okay. Oh, that must've felt amazing. It did. I woke up and then everyone else was crying. I'm like, no, I'm good. She's fine. Oh, (laughs) you know, it was such a weird experience. I want to talk a little bit about George Hodel. Yeah. So you have, oh my God, like if you think about that, he, he was a very fascinating person. This doctor that, have you ever been to that house? Did they actually Oh my God, yes. Yeah, we, house? we filmed I'm Night there and that's the only, that's actually the only time we were not on set and it's because Yvette oh. really didn't want to be there, but we've been there and we actually recorded, yeah. and yes, I've been there twice now, but um, we recorded an episode of Root of Evil there that ended up on the cutting room floor. Um, Cause we just had so, there's so much, I mean, obviously like there's so much that goes on in our family. Um, so it was just one of the things that, that wasn't there, but yes. And it is the freakiest motherfucking place I've ever been to in my life. Like it's pure evil. Yeah. Pure. Like when you watch the show and you're like, is that the real house? Oh my oh, God. Yeah. That's, that's just craziness. Now you're, is it your uncle Steve or your great uncle Steve? Great uncle. So he's my yeah. He's Tamar's Tamar's half brother, George's son. 
this family tree, you'll need ibuprofen to get through this family tree. Oh, I know. I know. There actually is a family tree on TNT.com that, like, so people can follow along and be like, oh, okay, right. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating. Now, do you actually believe, so you've done The Root of Evil, you've seen the show, mm-hmm. you've gone through, you know, the, the podcast actually starts where you and your sister are going through a storage unit with all your mom's, like, papers and stuff. Am I correct? Yes. Correct. Do you believe George killed Elizabeth Smart? Uh, Elizabeth Short, but yes. Oh, Elizabeth Short. Who, yeah. Oh my no. God! Did I say Elizabeth Smart? You know I'm what? not going to edit the, that out. But no, you're the fir- <laughs> you're not the first one to do that. Like it's a Freudian slip because I think Elizabeth Smart is you know it's our generation. It, it has to happen yes. here. Thank God Elizabeth Smart's oh. alive. But um, but yeah, Elizabeth Short, without a doubt, I believe George Hodel killed her. Absolutely. I'm there with you. I um, yeah. I mean, when you look at all the facts and, and then to think, and here, here's something else I'm dealing with. He, he, he gets away with it. He moves out of the country. He starts a whole nother family, right? And the other day, not to bring up politics, but the other day when Trump was acquitted, Mm. I, I knew he, I knew he was going to be because I'm not an idiot. Right. Um, And I got a little upset and then I had to dig deep because, you know, when something bothers you, you're always going to find the root of it. Right. So of course. I dug deep and I talked, I talked about this um, uh, on a couple episodes ago and I realized, Oh, I have a problem with people who aren't held accountable for their bad ways. You know, I, yes. my father, the guy who molested me, he died a free person. You know, right. you got the president. Some people think he's innocent. Some people think he's guilty. I, think whatever. And, but I think he's getting away with stuff. And then here's your great grandfather. Somebody cuts somebody in half. Yeah. (laughs) And gets away with it. And when you listen to the podcast, you realize how fucked up the police department did in that job. At at that time. Absolutely. I mean, he was acquitted of having sex with his own daughter and there were two adult witnesses. One recanted her statement, but still, like, yeah, he never served a day in jail for any of it. Because my memory is always foggy. Did he pay off the police department? Was that something that could have been possible? See, and we always we always thought that, but, um, you know, Steve doesn't think so. But we all kind of have this theory that he had dirt on everybody. You know, like he was the VB you know, venereal disease doctor of the time. So like he knew who was gay. He knew who was, you know, getting their mistress pregnant and he was doing the abortion. I mean, like he had dirt on everyone. So I think he was untouchable personally. And, you know, we, we talk now, like I, I forever believe, I truly believe in karma. And I think that with I'm the Night, with Root of Evil, with everything, just me talking to you now, like everyone forever more will believe that George killed Elizabeth Short, the Black Dahlia. And that, right. that's, good. that's good enough for me because we can't go back and change anything. You know, we can't change the past. But I, I believe that Karma's taking care of it. You know, right. Because his, this is his legacy. His legacy right. is being a doctor or no. well, his legacy is, yeah, you chop somebody in half and left her on the side of the road. Exactly. And other women. <laughs> he, 
he was a serial killer, basically. I believe so. I, I do believe so. I I don't know if I believe, you know, to the extent of, you know, my Uncle Steve thinks that he was a Zodiac killer, among other things. I, I don't. Oh, I, think I, I saw that. Yeah, I think that's a little bit of a stretch, but I do believe he's killed multiple people. And it's just, it's disgusting to me. And it's disgusting to know that I'm related to that. That must be difficult. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> At what age are you told, hey, this is your great-grandfather and this is the story? I, I don't I don't remember a time when I didn't know. And Oh, okay. Yeah, so I, I've always known from the time I was, was young. And I knew that, you know, George and Tamar had been together. I mean, I, I knew more than I should have known. Like, mom protected Yvette and I a lot but she was also very open. So, you know, and also my dad knew Tamar. So my, my dad met my mother through Tamar and he always, you know, said horrific things to me just because he was crude and a horrible human anyway. So I think I found out a lot mm -hmm. more from what he told me too. Um, but no, it was always just common knowledge. Like, yep, George, you know, yep. He had sex with me. Plus, he killed, you know, the Black Dahlia and he killed other people. Like it was, it was super, super casual. <laughs> like, and it, it just, I, I started wrapping my head around that, like kind of when the internet was born, because I would, I, you know, would go into, I think it was, I don't even know if we had Google yet. I think it was like Yahoo. And like, I looked up like the pictures, like I can't ever unsee the crime scene photos. And mm -hmm. I'm just like, Oh my God, like I come from that. But you know, unlike I Am The Night, we never actually ever physically, my mom never even physically met George Hodel, but mom kept us protected from that. And I feel like she, it's almost like I'm a huge Harry Potter nerd. And I almost feel like it was like Harry Potter, you know, like Harry Potter's mom was protecting Harry from Voldemort, the evilness and all her love is what made him so magical. And I feel like that with my sister and I, I feel like my mom just kind of cocooned us with all this love. And so now it's like anything that comes at us, we're like, all right, come at us. Like if someone's pissed off or, you know, trying to defame, you know, our mom or us or whatever, I'm just like, bring it because we have the best warrior that trained us our whole lives with this amazing, magical, yeah, love. Yeah. Had you always wanted to be a flight attendant? Oh, my God. From the time I was little. From the time I was little, I wanted to be a flight attendant, especially growing up in the Hawaiian Islands. I used to see Hawaiian airline flight attendants, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, it's so glamorous. Like, I remember. <laughs> and, then, and then you're laying over somewhere for 11 hours. You're like, wait a minute. This I isn't know. what I thought it was. I know. I know. But, um, but for me, I never thought that it was an actual feasible dream for me because like back I remember like in the 80s like they would post like how much you had to weigh in order to fit into the jump seat and I'm like oh no right. I've been I was obese from the time I was seven and I'm like oh no I can't do that I it, it's the same way like I could never be like a pageant queen or something like that or in my mind I didn't think I could be a model because at that time plus size modeling didn't exist you know and so I I never thought it was actually tangible and then you know, I was lucky enough you know, three years ago, I started working for my airline and, um, because my sister-in-law had worked for that airline 
And I applied to be a flight attendant and a gate agent just because I wanted in. And I got in as a gate agent. And then from then on, I was like, that was April 2017. I was like, I'm going to be a flight attendant. I'm going to be a flight attendant. But even in the midst of all of this, like, because uh, I ended up, you know, starting working for the company in April. And then my mom died in September. And I have to say to my airline, they were amazing because they, they let me take a, a leave of absence so that I could handle everything for my mom. And I got to come back. Mm-hmm. And when I finally became a flight attendant, even though it took me, you know, two years after working for them to become one, and I could fit in the jump seat, like you should have seen in initial training when I actually fit in the jump seat, even though I, because I had, from being on The Biggest Loser, I lost a bunch of weight, but then I gained it all back and then some, and then I had weight loss surgery seven years ago, and I've been maintaining this weight for almost seven years. Um, when I, thank you. But like, I probably would have fit in the jump seat even at my heaviest, but in my mind, I was like, you know, cause I was 288 at my heaviest, but I always kind of held my weight well. And I've been a plus size model since, you know, 2003. But when I sat in that jump seat and I, you know, actually buckled it in, I mean, I was like crying tears of joy. And then my trainer, who's one of my dear friends, Blair, he made the entire class start singing like, Oh, Rasa, you're so fine. You're so fine. You blow my mind. Hey, Rasa. And I like literally was like, Oh my God. And I could not stop crying. And it was amazing. So I left for initial training 48 hours after I was on the Today Show and the Dr. Oz show in New York. (laughs) Well, we started talking, you were in training because I stalked you a little bit. I listened to the podcast and I was like, who is this person? And then I sent you a message just saying, I just listened to your podcast while I was camping and it was incredible. And, um, but I didn't know the story of the struggle to get to become a flight attendant because yeah, uh, you know, you have to fit in the jump seat, right? And you yeah. don't even think of that. But no. I read an article when I was stalking you online last night. Oh, I, I do not it. hide. I do not hide that I stalk my guests. As and, you um, said, you're a you good have, researcher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like everything you've said, I'm going to send you a photo of my notes after the show. And you're oh, going to laugh because everything you've talked, I have the dates. Um, it's incredible. But um, <laughs> you had your surgery through, I think, the Oregon Wellness. Weight loss surgery. Thank you. And yes. um, some there was an article, there was a video, there was an article. And someone said something like, and then she became a flight attendant and she could finally fit in the jump seat. And I actually did not. I thought I was offended by that sentence and I don't get offended Aww. by anything. Ah! I was just like, why you got to say that? Like just congratulate her for being a flight attendant. You don't I have to know. put in parentheses. Now she fits in the jump seat. <laughs> right. I didn't, I didn't, I did not like that. Like last night I was like, who, why the fuck did they have to, I was so happy reading this article and oh, I got to God. that and then I'm like, I'm, I'm mad now, but I'm so I happy know. not only because healthy, you know, the health reasons, but you got to become a flight attendant, which you seem to love. I do. And it's, I really do love it. And, you know, I believe it or not, I really, it's as cheesy as it sounds. I love people and I love stories. I love meeting people. And I, I love the excitement that you get at 37,000 feet, you know, like there's something magical about being up in the air. And I just, it's a perfect mesh for me too, because it's like, it's a day job, but it's not a day job. Like in the past where I've, I've worked 
at, you know, different companies, it never felt like home. And this feels like home. Like I literally, like I, I joke that I'm the unofficial lesbian cheerleader of my airline. Like, because I do all of the pride. <laughs> but I know it's true. Like I'm even, I was invited. I'm going the first week of March um, with the CEO of my company. I'm going to like this huge diversity conference in Washington, DC. And I'm like, you guys picked the lesbian. I knew it. <laughs> they picked the, yes. they did. They picked, well, and you are a celebrity. Now, do people know you at your airline when you work with flight attendants? They all know who you are. A the lot CEO of them, knows a lot of them do. Yes. And they do. And you know, like they all follow me, like, you know, the airline follows me on all social media. And on. so, I, I mean, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't post anything that I wouldn't want anyone to see like I have nothing to hide and I would never right. you know put, um, or say anything bad about my airline um because they've been so amazingly good to me and my entire family um but yes a lot of people know who I am because it's kind of funny because like I think the other celebrity we had was Lauren Bushnell who was on The Bachelor a few years ago you know like she was one of our flight attendants and they're like oh you're the new oh. Lauren I'm like I'm like wait is that an <laughs> insult or is that <laughs> like, is that good? Have any passengers recognized you? You know, I, I have to say I'm such a dork because I have seen like three or four different passengers. I, I've noticed them listening to Root of Evil um, on the plane and I've tapped their shoulders. <laughs> been like, hey, <laughs> That's hey, amazing. Hey. <laughs> I know. I'm like, that's me. And they're like, oh, and then Do they look at my... I used to get my name tag and they're like, Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Cause you know, like not many people in the world know a Russia. So, um, all that's all I have to do. And they're like, no, like I've, yeah, I've totally done that. But, um, I have been recognized a handful of times, um, as well. But like for me, like it's, it was like, like, I think it was over the summer. I just, I was like giddy. I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> like you're listening to it. You know? Um, and Kamala Harris, um, I deadheaded next to her and she recognized me and I almost died. <laughs> like, I love her. I had her t-shirt. Amazing. I'm so we were just we were just talking about her last night because I really I'm really sad that she didn't get to get to this point because I always me thought too. if somebody's gonna be able to debate DT usually I just call him 45, right? Yes. I know. Can't pres- uh, you know, I'm like, if somebody's going to be able to debate 45, it's going to be her, Kamala. Right? Yes. She's going to get up there and she's going to rake him over the coals. So, but I, I had her t-shirt. I loved her too. Oh, I love her. And she's actually, she's an amazing human. I mean, I spent six and a half hours with her from DC to San Francisco. And I just, I, you, could, you know, you can see how someone is as a person when you sit next to him on a plane. <laughs> like, you you know? s- so you literally, you literally sat next to her? Oh, yeah. I, I we downgraded our aircraft and I was, you know, the D flight attendant. So I sat next to her I and it was just in the exit row. Like she didn't eat, wasn't even in first class. Like, and she was phenomenal. And our entertainment systems were down. So we literally talked for that entire oh, time. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know, that's it, one of my questions that um, I ask people at the end of the show. I um, I have this list of questions. And one of the questions is, who would you sit next to on a long flight? Yes, um, well, I've done alive? it. Like, and it's, oh, <laughs> that's so exciting. You know, that's why I don't work first. I don't ever bid to work first class because I cannot handle, I, I get so fan guide out. It doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> I just could. I'd get fired because I would like throw myself at Kristen Wiig or Julia Louis Dreyfus. Oh my Dreyfus. gosh! I just, 
I could I couldn't do it. So I know. But I love listening to everyone's stories. Like all my friends who do work first class, I'm like, when I see them, I'm like, okay, who have you had up there and what are they like? Just oh my, all my all my celebrities have you. been in main cabin. All of them have been in main cabin. Like Megan Mullally, like I loved her. Oh, and I got stop to, it. Oh, I'm, yes, she was I'm amazing. Bon- I'm boning up. I'm I, know. I am boning up. <laughs> no, do you know who I have had on my flight? Dr. Oz. Oh, isn't he wonderful? Well, I didn't even talk to him because he sat oh. in the back in a middle seat. And I thought, why is oh. Dr. Oz in coach in a middle awesome. seat? It was so long. But it was so funny because I think he was traveling alone. It was probably like he changed flights at the last minute. But he basically had to just be a therapist for the person in the window in the aisle. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> well, when you're awesome. sitting next to Dr. Oz, you know you're going to say, should I use apple cider vinegar with cayenne or without? I know. Well, you know I you're know. Ask him that. I know. I didn't ask him any of those questions when I met him when I was on his show. I should have, but he was a delight. I absolutely adored him. So you mentioned something about you and your sister co-writing a book. We are. Is that, um, is that happening now or is it just yes. in the planning stages? No, it's happening. It's It's been happening for quite some time. And when mom was alive, she was like, you guys have to write a book together because mom always, you know, she always um, said how much her daughters represented the color of love because she never let us define ourselves by our skin color. And she always wanted us to write a book together because my sister and I have been best friends from the time I was born, you know, and it's rare that siblings you know are that close especially with us meeting all these other siblings as well like I I know it's not the same for everyone but my sister and I just love one another unconditionally and love our mom so much and yeah so we because our our mom's book so one day she'll darken is only the first 25 years of my mom's life and even we joke about it because like in the epilogue I'm only mentioned as the white baby because (laughs) (laughs) because because, you know like in the public like people want you know i understood why they did it because they're trying to prove a point that my sister you know my my mom had my sister and i who were different colors but raised us the same with unconditional love and then of course you know my sister is straight married to you know her husband and i'm married to my wife and like she she loves talking about that i say loves again i meant love but you know what i mean like my mom was always like I know, present tense. She is here with us, but yeah, she was always proud of us. I think the color of love should be the co- the title of your book. Oh, I know, right? My that's my mom had a she did a, a few because my mom was a she you know, was an inspirational speaker, and I think she did a few talks on the color of love. But that could potentially be it. We're what we're liking right now is sisters beyond color. Oh, okay. Well, you've got yeah. to have. The, yeah, I, I I like where you're going with that. But when you said the color of love, I was like, oh, did she I just love drop the title too. of her book? Oh my gosh, I think it could be. We'll think about it, and we'll be like, thank you, Joe. Uh, we will thank you I in know. the acknowledgement. <laughs> Stop! I'm already excited. I'm, well, Rasha, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the show. The, oh, you know what I love about you. this is I write all these questions and. I had no idea about your childhood with your dad, which is what I love about conversations like this, because you learn so much about people. And 
I want to thank you for coming on the show. Will you play Let's Get Grounded? It's just a really quick question. Of course. Um, I'm always I'm not going to do I'm not going to do the purple question because you already answered that because you said <laughs> So pick um, pick yellow, red, blue, or green? Blue. Okay. Oh, this is a good one for a flight attendant. Oh. What is the one item you never travel without? Mint chapstick. Mint, M-I-N-T, <laughs> chapstick? Yes, like chapstick brand. Interesting. Chapstick. Yeah. Well, I guess now it's called Spearmint, but I, my gorgeous wife orders it in bulk off of Amazon for me. <laughs> it's like my, it'd be my one survivor item. <laughs> like I have to have it everywhere that I go. It. So yes. if you were on that one show, naked and outside or whatever It'd that show is called, and, they, and we know yes. where you could put it. Oh my God, I can't oh believe I God. said that to you. You're a famous person. Thank you, Rasha. Oh I, oh, thank you I love you so much. I love you. We're going to get ramen soon. I still owe you ramen. And now you I do. don't live in the Bay Area and you're not based there. And I'm that telling you, matter. this ramen place that... It's Iputo. It is the best ramen on the planet. I owe you like two ramens now. Yes. And they should sponsor, they should sponsor your podcast. I'm just saying. Oh, well, I don't think they would do that. But well, you never I do know. Need, one, day, one day I need to get some sponsors, hopefully one day. But thank you so much. I really thank appreciate you, it. Um, please, this is the point where you can hoe yourself out and tell everybody how they can follow um, your podcast and any exciting things you have coming up. Absolutely. Well, first and foremost, my mom's dream was I Am The Night. And I Am The Night that was on TNT is available on Amazon Prime, Hulu, iTunes, all the things. You can also buy it on DVD, the limited series. Root of Evil, the true story of the Hodel family and the Black Dahlia. You can stream it anywhere for free, anywhere you get your podcast. And you can find me at Rasha Pecorero, R-A-S-H-A. P-E-C-O-R-A-R-O, anywhere. I'm on Twitter, on Instagram, Facebook, all the things. And if you follow me, I'm only going to tell you how to be a positive light in the world, even if there's shit going down. Even if you come from the root of evil, you can still live your life with aloha. Love it. Aloha. And you really are everywhere. There's a TMZ article about you and your husband. Your ex-husband. Oh, so, I know. I mean, and you're don't everywhere. Believe- you're everywhere. <laughs> and don't believe TMZ. I did not leave my ex-husband for my wife. We were separated, but whatever. Exactly. <laughs> See? Yeah, you can never believe TMZ. Thank I you know. so much. And and Thank ladies you, and gentlemen listening, if you love true crime, you have to listen to the Root of Evil podcast. I'm telling you, we, me, my husband, and my sister-in-law wa- listened to it while we were camping last year. And it was, you guys did an amazing job on that. You're, you have a voice for radio. It's, everything about it was fantastic. So please check thank it out. Thank you, Joe. And, so, and thank you for sharing your journey with me and with the world. It, it means everything and thanks for being a badass and an amazing author you always keep me entertained on my layovers (laughs) that's that's my job all right honey thank you so much thank you aloha aloha to you mahalo baby mahalo oh you You like that aloha i love it (laughs) (laughs) bye
Ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed this week's episode of Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe, please subscribe to the podcast. You'll get alerts when new episodes air. Also check out Flight Attendant Joe on Facebook and Instagram. And if you still haven't had enough of me, (laughs) check out the blog at www.flightattendantjoe.com.